and then you bring it down and then you, uh, you basically squirt it across those, those blades and it spins then makes electricity. And from there it's, it's, you know, it's, it's the inverters and the, the grid hookup and all the stuff that you get with any kind of renewable. So in Caldwell County and Wilkes County, North Carolina, which are very well known with uh, his history around making moonshine. Still uh, pouring, yes. Pouring, pouring, pouring water for, right, that's where I was going, pouring water from the creek to right. make a product. Uh, we're, we're still pouring water from the creek, just like they used to make moonshine, but but now we're using it for a different use case here. So uh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, uh, that's, that's, that's a clever name. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, and it was a domain name that was available. You know, try try to start a company these days. You start with what do, what domain names are available. So, yeah, you have to. You definitely have to get creative. That's for sure. It's gotten kind of <laughs> absurd. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So, what, one of the things you mentioned, uh, you, you know, you mentioned Buckham County, which is the county seat of Asheville, North Carolina, um, and so they have essentially passed a moratorium against. Bitcoin mining because of these air cooled units as opposed right. to water cooled units. Right. And so the the air cooling essentially is using vast fans in these um, buildings that house the servers, and that's where the hum is coming from, right? That's where the hum is coming from, and also a lack of doing anything to mitigate the noise. Got so it, I mean. Yeah, so so Google and Lenore, I mean, I'm sure they have a bunch of air cool computers too, but they're not generating complaints that I'm aware of. Right, right. I mean, because, because they've mitigated the noise, and so uh, so in, in addition, so essentially, you know, the way I, I I've done a lot of research on Bitcoin mining, Ethereum mining, um, renewables. Uh, we're in the process of setting up a climate tech company that we're going to roll out here in the United States. Uh, you you you. You and I have talked about that before. You'll have a, a place in that. Um, and so, you, you know, what the way I understand things, just globally speaking, there's a lot of renewable infrastructure, climate tech renewable infrastructure being driven by, you, you know, by a use case of utilizing it for Bitcoin mining or, right. or cloud data centers, uh, many cloud mm-hmm. data centers, right? That's something... Uh, that's another use case, um, you, you know. So, like you said, you're, you're utilizing the energy to do A, B, and C in your house, but the excess energy, excess energy, can be used for Bitcoin mining and cloud uh, uh, cloud data usage. Yeah, a, a subset. So it's not every cloud computing case that comes along. And part of my process is discovering what the subset is. It's actually economical and makes sense. Got it. And so you also have a have a background in experiential marketing. Um, really tough word to say. Um, also <laughs> tough word to write because uh, autocorrect does not like it. Um, <laughs> tell us a little bit about that, your, your background there. Yeah, so experiential marketing, um, I was getting into the augmented reality and virtual reality space really to go make product to make money for my company or the company that I work for. Uh, and then along the way, what I found is that I could actually do this experiential marketing, uh, these virtual reality and augmented reality exhibits for trade shows. Because you go to a trade show and you might see sometimes these booths that have some kind of exhibit, like just something fun 
to attract you in and kind of indirectly get you into whatever the message is, whatever the marketing is. So I made those. I made one for National Retail Federation Big Show, which is like a 100,000 person show in New York each year. Um, I worked with a German reinsurer on one. Uh, there was a collaboration. Uh, I also worked with Lenovo on a lot of their products. Uh, so that's kind of how I got into experiential marketing. Now, what I've kind of realized with this is, you know, I go to the conferences around here and I share my business cards and, and that kind of thing. Um, but what I'm really looking to do is upon the release of the Apple Vision Pro, that's the um, Apple's entry into this XR space. They call it spatial computing, and, and that is a good term. That's a better term than uh, metaverse. Then I'm going to look to uh, be ready um, as one of the first wave of applications on the Apple Vision Pro for the purpose of promoting these ideas. And what that's actually going to manifest is, uh, is it's going to manifest as a, as a fancy trail cam viewer. What I've got is I've got 360 video. Uh, I've now got it for all four seasons because I've been working on this for a while. And I got trail cams. So I'm hoping to be able to bring people into the hollow. And in that sense, I'm going to take my hollow. I'm going to put it on the metaverse. I don't like saying metaverse, but that's the simplest description. I take my hollow, I bring it on the metaverse. I bring people in. Uh, because there's also a conservation angle to this. Uh, I have a forestry plan. Um, the good thing about my forestry plan is I don't have to do anything for 30 years um, and I can replace it with something else. The bad thing about it is the one I got set up with by the forestry service was just clear cut within 30 years. Um, and this isn't something I want to do. That The way these things work is you only have a certain amount of time after you get your property to, to be able to basically inherit the forestry plan. And it's the middle of COVID. This is the one the Forest Service handed me. Um, I'll redo it at some point. Um, obviously, carbon capture would be something I'd want to look at. Uh, but the other thing that happened for me as these trail cams, as I set up these trail cams, is I just, it really kind of registered with me that I'm also doing this conservation, that I'm providing this habitat because I'm not going to clear cut all this land or, or use it or, you know, grow Christmas trees or any of these other things. I want to leave it. Uh, as uh, I want to leave it like it is. Um, and then that's something that I think I can actually uh, get people into. Um, and it's part of this building out the ecosystem. Could other people get interested in doing the same thing that I'm doing? Could I have other people that I could turn to because I painted enough of the picture out for them? You bring up a great point, something that comes up a lot in my conversations on a daily basis. Um, you know, everybody thinks about conservation. They think you have to, you know, you have to have a conservation easement and work with a nonprofit and do this and do that. You don't. You just need to own the land, control the land. And then as the landowner, you can decide the outcome of the land, you know, to protect the land forever. And so, uh, you know, we uh, outside has just, uh, just acquired 800 acres, just a couple miles from your property yep. uh, from the, from the uh, Broyhill family there in Caldwell County, North Carolina. And so, you know, so there, there's a, a lot there that we can do collectively together and we will as things evolve and time goes on. So, uh, you know, we have a conservation strategy built around that property and outdoor recreation, et cetera. So everything that you're talking about are things that, you, you know, we can work together to implement. So, uh, Slade, Wayne, do y'all, do y'all have any questions for Mike? And you know, I've, I spent a lot of time talking to him in the past, so I probably know a little bit more than y'all. So Mike, got you know, yeah, this is very fascinating. I think you know this is more in depth than I've that I've heard on a lot of a lot of these topics. So super intrigued here. 
one thing, you know, with my space, we deal heavily with trail cameras. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit, I'd like a little more of an explanation of, I guess I'm not following you completely on how that's playing into what you're doing. Uh, so yeah, could you go into more depth there on the trail cameras and, and how you're using those and, and what that's, how that's playing in? Yeah, I can map out what that uh, Apple Vision Pro app uh, will do in, in my current vision of it. And it will also be an Oculus Quest app. And and I will probably also do an iPhone app uh, just for walking around to conferences. Uh, it's basically to bring people into the space. Um, technically, what I've been doing with the 360 video is, is I, you know, I shoot these 360 video, I walk around in the woods with my camera. And then there's a couple of approaches which are emerging right now. Um, and it's really like a month-to-month thing that's advancing. Uh, one is neural radiance fields. Another one's called Gaussian splats. Uh, what both of them uh, facilitate is the ability to take that 360 video and, and other kinds of, of photos and videos and create a virtual world. So you could put on a virtual headset, and it's as if you're there um, down at my creek uh, experiencing what I experience when I'm there. Um, and, and that's a, if you're, and, and that's a virtual reality thing. If, um, and virtual reality is just something you have to experience. I'm not, I don't want to spend a lot of time trying to describe virtual reality. The easiest way is just yeah. to go experience it. Um, so that's actually creating the scene, the virtual reality scene that you can then immerse in. So you can be like, oh, this is how this property is. And to feel present there. And that feeling of presence is a really big deal. Well, then we've got the trail cams and with the trail cams, what I can do at least initially, is put you in a place where the trail cam is and then show you the videos and photos coming from those trail cams in context. Um, like you know, I could bring out my phone or I could you know, share my screen and show you some trail cams thing, but you have no idea how that fits in with the property or how it fits in with anything, right? And you probably have the same kind of issue. You probably have to spend a lot of time describing to somebody where the trail cam is and, and you know, what's really going on. And so, like, essentially, you put on a, a headset, at, for lack of better term and you can see as if you were standing where the camera is you could see a deer walking by that actually walked in front of that camera correct um i right now what i can do is i can do a flat video now what i would love to get into is volumetric trail cams uh with a volumetric trail cam i when that deer walks by it's not a flat video of the deer that i just put on a flat surface inside the virtual world instead it's it's actually the deer it's it's that true virtual experience um, as if I could reach out and touch it. And, and when I do reach out and touch it, my hand would go through. Obviously, virtual reality can't solve that problem. But but I could make so, it like, you know, this is, I'm right there, and Mama Bear is walking right by. The bobcat is walking Slate, right by. Slate, Slate, Slate your, your mind has gone where my mind went the first time <laughs> I ever spoke to him about this. And so my reaction was, oh, my gosh, this is huge. Because you think about the real estate industry, and you think about being able to have someone who is in London, England, for example, and you're talking about a thousand acres in Alabama and you're like, hey, you, you know, they're like, hey, I'm really interested in this property, but, in, in, but I can't visit the property. Like, well, we could provide you a VR solution, you know, a virtual reality solution. And you can put this headset on in London and feel like you are on the property in Alabama. And so. You, you, you know, you can see the actual tree in virtual reality or the metaverse. And so, you know, it's taking things that are real and tangible 
and turning them into a a real visual digital twin, I guess, yeah. is the experience. Yeah, and so digital twin. Yeah, what, what, a digital twin. And so I've learned these terminologies from talking to Mike. Um, I really don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> but but what and so what he's talking about, and, and this is where I, I kind of perked up. Like, wait a minute, trail cameras. You, you know, you, you take a you take a trail camera video or photo, but then you, you have a way to essentially do it almost like in a 3D situation where you've got multiples i I don't know whatever what he said and you you know then you're essentially splicing that into the videos that he's take taking with the app the the new iphone right so yes um, yeah the new iphone the the new iphone does volumetric video yeah and part of their play is that is is i can walk around the woods with my volumetric video camera my my iphone 15 and then that's designed to go on Apple Vision Pro when Apple Vision Pro comes out. Interesting. Here's the other thing that I found interesting about some of what he's working on. Slade, you'll be able to appreciate this. Um, the ability for us to be able to take these new iPhones through a forest to the woods and film trees and measure the timber volume, measure the carbon volume and everything that exists is a hundred percent a real life scenario that is evolving in front of us mm. using using your phone and so i've already seen some of that technology and so as things get better that will continue to improve as a um opportunity mike mike what? i have a question go ahead, go ahead Lynn. Oh, sorry, Slade. Go ahead. You, uh, you were talking, Stan. Oh, I'm going to switch topics to revenue generation. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to stick on one more second. Um, I guess what I, I haven't, I've put on one, you know, one headset before and, and, and experimented with it. And it was pretty amazed. It was actually a lot of fun, but I have, you know, I've only got one experience, one, one, um, one time doing that. So where are we at with your general population, everybody being able to view this kind of stuff? Is it going to be restricted or limited to anybody that has access to a, a VR headset? Or is there a way to pull it up on your computer or cell phone? And I know the experience won't be the same, but you still could see what you're creating there. You get what I'm asking? Yeah. Uh, so first off, in, in my plan and in my thinking, I, I won't restrict myself to just a VR headset. That'll be my my focus, but I won't restrict myself to that. Because, for example, when I go to a conference, I'm not going to bring a VR headset with me. So I'll have some kind of iPhone thing that's way better than what I do now, which is to bring up my my trail cam app and like fish around and, you know, basically completely break the flow of conversation while I'm trying to do that. And of course, a VR headset would be even worse. Um, secondly, something that people do in VR to get around the, this issue that, that you mentioned here is they just send the person in London, in, in your example, uh, a VR headset. You know, send it to them and then they have that experience. And then because they're a decent person, they send it back to you. And if they don't, then that's, you know, uh, Quest 3 is like $500. So, you know, you just you could just charge, put that up to your, your cost of sale um, for, uh, for for marketing that property. Yeah, I guess the limiting factor, especially like if we're looking at from an outside standpoint, too, of you've got thousands of investors that want to experience this. Um, you know, you obviously we can't send thousands of headsets out. Um, but is there a way to, obviously if they have a headset, if they personally own one, obviously they'll have a better experience, but is there a way to send a link or 
Uh, and is there an app coming out or something, you know, where you can still have a, you know, have it from a screen? Yeah, kind of have that experience. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the the tool that I use is Unity. And Unity allows me to go to WebGL, which is then a uh, like, like a video game level experience inside the web browser. Okay. So that would be part of the plan. So the Apple Vision Pro, because, you know, Apple... Um, and then Unity for the the rest of VR, Quest and PC VR, uh, then a flat screen version, um, hopefully all around social VR, um, you know, being able to, to socialize with people like say so, so you the person from London, you are there with them in the virtual world, whether it's a flat or headset world as they're going around. I forgot to mention that part. Um, and then also and then uh, websites, just flat website and then phone. And by using Unity, then uh, I can get I can have one code base that then uh, shoots out to all those. It's not right once run everywhere, run everywhere by any means. But it, it does mean that I, I start with one development environment and then shoot out to those different targets. Very that helps. Yeah. Slight, slight to to add something to Mike's point right here to what he just said, you know, a, a, a video gaming experience via a web browser. Um, it, in the Web three world, the the gaming world that has evolved is worth multis of billions of dollars, and the amount of money that's inflowing into that space is absolutely incredible. So, you know, um, it, it, I, I see a lot of evolvement into real world assets, particularly land, real estate, things like that, in this space as things continue to go forward. And so, that's a you, you know, with outside, you, you know, working with Mike has he develops this and, and, you know, adopting these technologies and these use cases as a top priority, um, you, you know, because then we can, you know, get to a point to where we're taking a tokenized asset such as, you know, 2,500 acres in Alabama, Montana, wherever, and, you know, provide a way for someone to have an immersive experience on that land that exists. And that was something early on into my journey into web three that I really struggled with. And, and that's actually something that kind of got us into web three is, is looking at the metaverse and the amount of money in, in 2020, 2021 that was falling into the metaverse. That was what I oftentimes called pretend land, virtual land and the amount of money that was falling into it. So just imagine the amount of money that will flow into, um, you know, this space when you start to make things real, make tangible places, real in the real metaverse where it becomes a digital twin and it, you know, it gets mind blowing real fast. Yeah. That, and that's good. where my next question was going. What are the revenue opportunities for a landowner um, now or in the near future um, to maybe um, put their property in the metaverse or token or create tokens for the diversity um, that's on that land? Talk a little bit about that if you could. Um. Well, the, the things I've been looking at, uh, aside from the marketing activity, has been, you know, generating money directly from green compute on green energy properties. Um, and let me talk about your other uh, point first um, about, you know, putting land on the metaverse. Um, my plan currently is would be to do an open source approach with that because it's kind of a, a side part of what I'm doing. Uh, it's also portfolio work for me. Uh, because that's my trade, uh, you know, building software. Uh, but certainly, um, especially as these uh, this NERF uh, neural radiance field and Gaussian splat technology advances, 
then it's going to grow and grow. Um, it's getting easier and easier to to go to a physical place, capture it, and then actually see that uh, in a headset environment. Uh, even just a couple of years ago, that just wasn't possible. Um, the the resolution on the headsets just wasn't there. The performance wasn't there. And then these new developing technologies just weren't there. Uh, now back to the, I, I did have a couple other things uh, I wanted to share along the idea of generating revenue uh, beyond the Bitcoin mining. Because obviously, if I was content to do Bitcoin mining, then I don't need business cards. I don't need a web page. I don't need any of that. Uh, a couple of things I'm tracking, uh, multiple, multi-access edge computing. So cloud is somebody else's computer out there. Edge computing is where you put a computer you know, directly next to one of these turbines to possibly control it and, and that kind of stuff. Um, multi-access edge computing is an emerging standard. Uh, if you go out there and Google it, you'll see all these big companies like IBM and Verizon, all of them have opinions about it. Uh, for doing things like um, basically being closer to the, uh, the end user. Um, and utilizing 5G. So uh, that's a uh, technology development that I'm tracking. Um, Internet computer protocol looks pretty interesting. Uh, the promise is there, the, their heart's in the right place. Um, I have some technical concerns about how well that would fit with machine learning. Uh, then the other one that I found recently that I'm pretty excited about is Theta Network. And it's it's similar to this idea that you you know you uh, sell your compute out. Uh, you can actually install the app just on a PC and then participate in their network. And they're focused on uh, on video, on last mile video, and and tackling a very specific problem. But they have the ability to uh, use your uh, you can use their APIs and build out different apps. Uh, and again, I'm on a on a multi year time frame, so I'm, I get to watch how these things develop. I get to watch what happens with the halving next year with Bitcoin mining and see what that ha- what's going on with that. Uh, but those three are ones that I wanted to be sure to mention because uh, I'm tracking those on a technical level. Interesting. It reminds me back in the days when we were looking through radio signals for out, for life from outer space. You would you share your PC to the network and. Yes. Download a piece of uh, a radio signal file and process it. And <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's exactly it. And now it's just how do you make money on it? And and yeah. a lot of that is is uh, you know there's there's two sides of the problem. One is bringing on way more properties than my one property or even you know a couple properties um, because you need to get to cloud scale. You need to get to where um, where you can actually perform these jobs reliability reliably, and that means being able to deal with things where a computer out there in the wilderness just fails. And then what do you do? Right. Um, so that, that's a big part of the challenge is, is getting properties online. And the other part is then actually, you know, getting customers for that compute, you know, your, your person running machine learning, they have to somehow know that you're, you're doing this and, and, um, and the cost has to be right for them to, to send their jobs to you. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I would, I would love, I, I welcome a world where you can um, make money on land, utilizing these technologies and resources that we've talked about, and uh, and protect the land at the same time, uh, as opposed to a traditional um, clear cutting of the land, uh, you, you know, development, selling it off for residential lots and houses. I mean. Uh, my yeah, we're we're not use. Airbnb people, or the possibilities of us like renting out an Airbnb is about zero. So, uh, so that option is not really open to us. So, this is another way to to do the same kind of thing. And of course, they could be combined. You could have an Airbnb when you're not renting it. You're you're doing compute. And you're getting paid that way. 
Yep. Yep. Fantastic. Mike, you mentioned more properties. If just a side note, if this, I'm intrigued by this and where it could originally eventually take the real estate industry with even selling individual tracks. Um, you know, so if there's an opportunity there, I, you know, I'm dealing with anywhere from 15 to 40 properties a year, um, that I'll personally put boots on the ground and, you know, we're running where there's a lot of trail cameras and different things too. So getting, getting photos, if there's an opportunity there to kind of get you some more data, there might be uh might something we can talk about more. I don't know. That sounds great. Well, yeah. I'm gonna, now, now that Slay, now that we've got the, uh, the Yakin river property, you know, in a good place, I'm going to get him plugged into that one, which is the 800 acres in Caldwell County. And then, uh, you know, um, go from there. I, I was already thinking about potential opportunities on Jasper already around this. So, um, you know, so yeah. Thank and you. maybe, maybe, maybe we should talk about when we do the event down in Jasper, bringing Mike down and let him give a presentation on this and, and, and these future opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sounds good. good. Awesome. Well, good. Good stuff. Thank you, Mike, for coming on today. Thank you for being our guest. Thank you, Aaron, for being the one to bring him on and share this with us. Very interesting stuff. Yeah, thank you so much. I mean, when I first, you know, every time I talk to him about this, I I learn a little bit more about it. And I'm like, wait a minute. That, that's really interesting. <laughs> so you know, I'm like, first time I'm like, okay, this sounds interesting, but I don't know what in the world he's talking about. <laughs> Second time I'm like, all right, I get it. Um, so really, right. how Thank much you. how much is out there that well, I don't have a clue about, but uh, it's pretty uh, pretty fascinating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, yeah, you. Mike. It's been uh, good having you guys with us today on this episode of the podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks again to Mike and. Aaron and Slade for being with us and we'll see you in another one. See y'all next time.